0: listening to the Disrupt Podcast, a new perspective for the dance community. Welcome to the Disrupt Podcast. On today's show, I've got A for Alpha with me. How are you doing? I'm very well. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm very good. Thank you. Do you prefer to be called A for Alpha or Abby or A or uh,
1: A for Alpha or Abby? Is absolutely fine. Whichever whichever one you want to call me. Nice. I'm easy with
0: <laughs> Sweet. So, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, please?
1: So, I have been. DJing for the last six years um, and in that time as well I've done a lot of radio, I've run three record labels and two different event brands and uh, also produced music. Um, I'm finally going to be releasing some of it soon but I've just been sort of really honing in on the sound and and uh, and I'm making it perfect. Um, but yeah my main genres of music are like house garage and speed garage um but I'm I really love like jungle and hip-hop as well and uh most of the stuff that I play is sort of rooted in kind of like um yeah like 90s kind of underground stuff like that's that's like my favorite so I kept a lot of vinyl it gets quite expensive (laughs) yeah I can imagine but uh (laughs) it's a nice hobby it's a nice hobby it's nice to share the music with people you know so um So yeah I think that's a bit about me. Um, My labels that I run I've got mangoes and melons which is like a house and garage label and then kiwis and coconuts which is like a jungle hardcore um, breaks kind of label and then a new one that I'm just setting up at the moment called meditative and that's like a vinyl only label which is going to be doing like garage and jungle. Again all quite like sort of rooted in the in the old school kind of sound and I've got like producers from the 90s on there as well as new producers as well so it's kind of like a nice way to marry the two different times together. Oh,
0: you've got a lot of stuff going on how do you juggle it all? <laughs>
1: <laughs> with much difficulty <laughs> I don't know um, I think yeah I think it's one of those things that I've sort of really learned um, over time to be honest with you um, I'm very like I get an idea and then I just start doing it straight away um, whereas now I kind of like I'm a little bit more selective with my ideas because I think it's better to do a few things really well rather than spread yourself too thin and and do lots of things not so well um but yeah just just being really organized to be honest with you writing lots of to-do lists designating different days for different things um yeah I feel like that's kind of how I how I manage. (laughs) It is still hard though.
0: (laughs) It can be quite hard to manage different projects, but I think that's a really great skill to have. And it's great that you can explore the different avenues that you really enjoy.
1: Yeah, I agree. I wouldn't wouldn't want my life to be any other way, to be honest with you. Like I get very like bored easily. So I kind of like doing a lot of different things at once and having lots of different projects on the go. I just think it keeps things um really exciting. I'm actually training to be a chef at the moment as well.
0: Oh my goodness. How many things yeah. are you doing?
1: <laughs> I know. i um, yeah. So yeah, the little vegan place. It's um it's quite a relaxed kind of thing. And the woman who um set up the business is like a musician herself. So she's trying to get uh, musicians who are kind of struggling with work a little bit through the pandemic. Uh, to, to train them up in there, so yeah, it's another new thing I'm learning, which is really exciting.
0: Wow, a woman of many talents. <laughs> so, you've got a new show on Swoo FM. You've been with Swoo for quite some time, haven't you?
1: Well, um, so obviously Swoo, they kind of like they did their trial. I think it was like maybe three or four years ago now. Um, at that point, I was on I was on 1020, so I wasn't involved with them at that point. Um, but sort of when they did their like trial, like it went really, really well. Um, I basically like proposed to do a show with them, and then finally now the station is actually here because it's taken them a really long time to like get the licensing and stuff like that. Because um, when you're on FM, there's quite a lot of hoops that you have to jump through and, and boxes that you need to be able to tick. Um, so yeah, so I've been doing my SWOO show since this station launched, which was in. September last year. Um, So quite sort of like deep into the pandemic where kind of like gigs were just not happening. Um, So that was a really, really nice thing for me to kind of uh, put my effort and put my time into, um, yeah, to kind of keep me floating, I think creatively, because yeah, it was was a bit of a difficult time sort of not being able to perform and stuff. Um, But Swoo has just been an amazing outlet for me. and yeah, I think before I was like was very much known as like a garage DJ. Um, but with with that show, I've actually I, I cover like loads of different genres now. Um, so it's been a really really nice place for me to play a lot of the music that I've collected for so long, but not really felt like I had the opportunity to play. Um, so yeah, and Swoo has just been a brilliant way to uh, I think marry like Bristol's music scene together. I think we've all kind of like known each other. Um, but now we sort of, yeah, we're all listening to each other and yeah. messaging on Instagram. Like, yeah, I love your show, man. Like, I don't know, it's, it's it's been a really nice way for the community of Bristol to sort of connect a bit more, I think.
0: Yeah, it seems like a really good collective of people. And I literally know so many people that are involved with SWOO. And it's really nice to see them, you know, just there whenever I see something on Instagram, I'm like, oh, look, it's so-and-so's show. And it's been nice to kind of watch them, kind of make a name for themselves as a new radio station oh, yeah
1: I, it's, help, it's helped me so much like I've definitely got like more gigs off of the back of it and kind of people sort of following what I'm doing musically so yeah it's, it's been really amazing I feel really I feel really really lucky to like be on there and uh yeah getting to share all the expensive vinyl I've collected
0: yeah at least you've got somewhere to share it now <laughs> exactly so you've got an um A new show on Swoo, did you you mention it's uh, a a music history kind of show?
1: Yeah, um, so yeah, as I kind of mentioned, um, before previously when I did radio, I just sort of would just be DJing for two hours um, and just DJing like Garage um, and like House. And then I started on Swoo and I thought, okay, I'm going to do something that I've not done before and I'm going to play all of the different genres that I collect and sort of really jump from thing to thing and pretty much I would say 90% of the music that I play is kind of like from the 90s, early noughties, late 80s. So yeah, I guess I guess there that that is a bit of a uh, history in there, you know, I, pl- I play a lot of the labels that, you know, invented genres like garage and invented genres like jungle and things like that because for me I don't know I just I just find all of that so interesting because obviously those genres of music are huge now. And I quite like looking back right at the beginning and kind of seeing how that happened and what people were inspired by. Um, And I get guests on the show and instead of doing guest mixes, um, they tell me their favorite year for music. We play like two tunes from that year, their favorite label of all time, playing a track from that year, favorite artist um, of all time and a track from them. And then their favorite club banger of all time. So it's quite, yeah, I just it's, it's a nice way to get to know more about people and more about the history of music and I guess
0: how it's evolved to where we are now. And that's something that I really wanted to highlight through this project is about the history of music because I think a lot of times it can get a little bit lost, especially for without sounding patronising, but especially for the younger generations who might yeah. not be so aware of where house came from or where techno came mm-hmm. from, etc. So I don't know if you if you're willing to give us a little bit of a music history, like you know, class here now. Like, could you tell us a, a few interesting facts? Yeah,
1: sure. I mean, well, house and techno came from um Detroit and it was um three guys who were like at school and they were like well into kind of like I don't know building like electrical things they were just super super into that and they used to listen to this guy on a radio station who was playing like I don't know this kind of like really synth wavy like just quite obscure music um and then they they were because they were all very much into their tech and they were into this music. They sort of married the two together. And um, at the time, uh, Roland had brought out some equipment called the 909, which is a very famous drum machine and a 303, which is like a famous like. um, Well, actually, it was it was actually a guitar effects unit. Um, But anyway, this equipment um, Roland had brought out and they'd expected like really, really big kind of like producers in the late 80s to be using it. You know, people like imagine being in a studio with like Michael Jackson or whatever, like, you know, these huge, huge artists. That was like Roland's aim that they would be there, but they just weren't adopted like the music producers just didn't like them. So they became really, really cheap. So people who like didn't have so much money like these guys, and they were looking to, uh, you know, get into doing music. They kind of just picked this stuff up because it was all that they could do. And then literally from that, House and Techno was born. Um, and really it's the same like with, cause it, that was obviously in America. Um, and then some people were starting to hear that in the UK as well. Um, and then that's kind of like how Acid House was born. Again, it was very much the same thing people looking to be musical and creative, but kind of being restricted with like the money that they had, buying up these cheap pieces of equipment. Um, and yeah. So it's quite interesting how technology and kind of finances have affected um, how music's been created and uh, cre- and created new genres of music.
0: That's really interesting because in uh, the previous podcast I did with DJ Love, we we're actually talking about Finances, financial power, and what people can do if they don't have the the money to access technology to actually, you know, be a music producer or a DJ. So it's interesting how, throughout history, people have adapted, you know, to economic struggles, and through that, they've birthed a completely new genre.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think um, I mean that's it as well. Like for a lot of producers, you know, like you could have this massive studio full of loads of stuff. But it's like almost really overwhelming. Do you know what I mean? It's like, what, where do I begin? So actually it's quite, yeah, it, I think it can be really powerful, really, really creative to be quite limited with what you have. Um, and to, yeah, push push some new boundaries and, and make something new, which is, um, yeah, basically what, what, what those guys did in the US back in the day. And then obviously that then spread over to the UK as well with the more kind of like acid house sounds. Obviously that was very much a more of a like a uk thing than it was in the us
0: this is lyle and you're listening to the disrupt podcast
1: so garage everyone sees that as like a very much like a uk genre but it was actually also invented in america
0: i didn't um, know that
1: you didn't know that oh i didn't well i'm not saying i'm not saying that. It's fact, yeah but it's quite, I, I get
0: quite sh- like, cause I've known that for a while, but I remember when I found out, I was so like, what? That's really interesting. Cause Garage like really does feel like the sound of the UK. It's just, I can't describe it, but it's just, I dunno. Yeah. So again, like how
1: like a uh, Garage came around was, um, there's a club in New York called Paradise Garage. And um, it was very much a place for like, gay people and people um, of like, uh from the BAME community as well um who really uh you know like back back then as well I mean mean, things obviously still are now but um you know things were really quite like racially charged and like also there was a lot of homophobia so that was really like a place where people could come and like just just be themselves basically um, and yeah, so that's quite interesting how Garage, I mean, it came from House obviously, but it was kind of born in this club, again, of there being sort of like no limits and people being able to, to sort of push new boundaries and, and be comfortable in themselves and be comfortable with each other. So that's kind of like how Garage came around. And then it really came into the UK in around 94, uh, which is when the record label called Nice and Ripe started by a man called Grant Nelson. And he um, was listening to a lot of the garage that was happening in America through like Masters at Work, uh, MK, uh, Kenny Dope, like people like that. And then, um, yeah, basically the UK just kind of like, they sped it up a little bit more. People were playing more like the dub sides rather than like the main vocal kind of side. And then gradually over the years, it that just kind of became the UK sound and it sort of then became UK Garage. Mm. Um, so that's why we have the term UK Garage because it actually didn't originate from the UK and the UK just kind of like did it in their own
0: little way. Oh, I guess that definitely makes sense to why it's called UK Garage. Yeah,
1: I didn't get it for so long though. And I was like, oh, wow. Like I hadn't realised it had been happening since, you know, the really like early 90s, like, you know, like 1990, 1991, um, all the way over in America. But uh, yeah, again, another thing that I find really interesting with obviously that era is there was no internet. You know, nowadays you can make a song and you can put it online and anyone from all over the world could hear it whereas back then for music to travel it it took time you know it it took years it took records being flown over from America or whatever to come into the UK and then certain people to just be very lucky to be in a record shop at whatever time and pick it up and go hang on what's this this is great you know because the same with radio like do you know what I mean it wasn't like yeah, like DJs back then, they played everything on vinyl and it's you know it's very expensive to ship records like from another country. So it yeah, it took a very, very long time actually for it to, to sort of be found in the UK, which um I find I find really interesting.
0: That yeah. is really interesting. And that's that's something that I haven't really considered before. Like nowadays we can just literally just find all sorts of music and just kind of be blown away by new genres and different styles, mm-hmm. but you know, back then Definitely. it did, did take a lot of time. So it's amazing how that's happened. And I guess that kind of explains a little bit of the disconnect to the roots of these genres as well because mm. where it's been so long, how are we to know, unless you're really a music enthusiast, how are you to know where those genres actually came from?
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think it's really important for for people to know that, um, you know, rather than it being sort of taken over by, you know, people who haven't had to go through the struggle and the difficulty that those people did to then create, you know, to, to be in that place, to to then kind of give birth to what they did, you know? Um, I feel like, yeah, I really do hope that like more people are learning about it. I mean, I've obviously learned about it because I'm very interested in the music um, and, I, and I try and share as much of like the kind of history of it as I can. Um, and uh, yeah, I think, you know, I find it interesting and I feel like I feel like other people do. It's just um, I guess it's just about there being more kind of uh, resources, more like documentaries and books and things that people can kind of like have access to. I mean, I've pretty much seen like every music documentary because I just find it all like so fascinating. Yeah. Like <laughs> some really good ones on like Netflix about um, I don't know if you've seen like a hip hop evolution
0: on, on Netflix. I've seen a bit of that. I need to to finish it but that's really really it's good.
1: so cool yeah it really it was just like blew my mind like I've learned so much from that and um yeah it's I think yeah it's really important for us to learn the history of it but it yeah it would be nice to have some um there is a documentary about UK Garage uh called Rewind Forever yeah. but that was made in like 2013 so that's kind of like 10 years ago so there's you know more has happened since then um so, yeah, it would be nice to kind of maybe have some like more up to date documentaries that people can watch about it and, and learn more about the history of these genres.
0: Disrupt, changing the guard one piece at a time. One genre in particular that I wanted to talk about is jungle or drum and bass. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of times, especially with that genre, the, the, the roots that genre can get a little bit lost, especially with younger generations and mm. especially here in Bristol. I was just wondering what your your thoughts were about that.
1: Yeah, well like jungle and drum and bass very much came from like the kind of, um, it actually evolved from the sort of like acid house scene. So it was acid house, which was happening like, you know, like 87, 88, 89. And there was, it, it was really, mostly started in London really um there was a few people who went on holiday to Ibiza and they went to Amnesia which back in the day had like no roof on it so you were like dancing under the stars and they had this like really magic experience because there was this DJ there called Alfredo and he literally just played whatever you know it wasn't like he would blend genres together that you just wouldn't even think to do and then these guys came back from London, uh, from my Ibiza to London feeling really inspired. And um, that was like Carl Cox. Actually, Carl Cox didn't go, but he had a sound system. And then there was like Paul Oakenfold and there, there was a few other people. So then Acid House kind of be- became in England because these people had kind of felt so inspired and they were like, we want to run these sort of amazing parties where everyone just feels really like connected and unified and whatever. Um, so that obviously happened for a few years. And then, you know, like you're like at the same time as well, those massive raves started happening, you know, where people would drive up the motorway and, you know, there'd be like 50,000 people just in this massive rave, like in the countryside. Um, another thing that was quite interesting to make that happen was like certain motorways were built around that time. And obviously pre-motorway, you couldn't just get from one part of the country to the other. So it's even people being able to access raves through a motorway being built like that seems like such a small thing, but like it was so like fundamental to the raves actually being able to happen um on such a big scale with people from all over the country. so that they were kind of happening and that was very much like rave and hardcore, which had kind of spawned from acid House, um sort of becoming a bit faster using more brakes and things like that and then through that. <laughs> I don't really, I can't really tell you what maybe the changing moment was for it to go from it being rave into jungle. I know that the labels who were really pushing that was like uh, Moving Shadow, and which was run by like Rob Playford and like Two Bad Mice. Yeah, that was that was quite a big label that kind of pushed the sound into jungle and also a label called uh, Basement Records as well. That was kind of quite like a fundamental label, which, uh, I guess they were just kind of pushing the sound a bit darker, a bit harder. Um, Tunes like Dread Bass, for example, that samples a Reese Bass. Sorry, this is getting really technical, but the Reese Bass was actually invented by the guys who invented house music. Uh, Kevin Saunderson, you know, who I mentioned earlier, he actually invented this Reese space in like 87 on a track called Reese. That was what the track was called. So then people started to sample that Reese space and put it over the break, the break beats that they've been using in like rave and breaks and hardcore using the Reese space and then kind of getting the sort of like ragga kind of reggae elements like dub sirens and sort of like th- those kind of vocals and stuff. And then... I guess that's kind of how it became Jungle. And then a couple of years later, it evolved into drum and bass. So Jungle actually came first and then it was drum and bass that came afterwards. Um, and I mean, yeah, we do get that thing in Bristol, like uh, Bristol was like the like jungle place and whatever. But if I'm honest with you, I really feel like it was probably happening in London before it was in Bristol. I feel like most things kind of, came from London, um, because it's such, it's a big place, isn't it? You know, yeah, lots of people from all over the world living there. Um, but I think, I guess Bristol, Bristol's obviously had like a lot of like sound system culture and stuff here as well. So I think Jungle was just very like quickly, easily snapped up here because people had sort of been used to listening to his big like rumbling sound systems and like reggae and dub and things like that, which are, you know, J- Jungle samples a lot of that. So yeah I guess that's kind of why Bristol sort of become quite a hub for it because I, th- I guess it was just very easily like accepted here you know by the people who lived here and partied here yeah definitely
0: and you know you're talking about documentaries and things earlier do you know of any documentaries mm. about drum and bass or jungle because I think if there aren't any there's definitely a gap in the market because I think that'd be yeah. really interesting to watch <laughs>
1: uh,
0: there may be to be
1: fair there's um hmm the ones that, like, there's like a couple about Massive Attack and Massive Attack, it kind of did. Yeah, like I think some parts of those documentaries cause obviously Massive Attack are like a Bristol based kind of band and stuff like that, that sort of came out of the influence of like hip hop and sound system culture. I think some parts of that did sort of go into jungle. I think a couple of the documentaries did, um, but I'm not,
0: there must be one surely. I'm going to have to find that, you know. <laughs> So, in terms of the future, what do you think the future is looking like for for music? Do you think what well, I'm quite interested in, in as well, is you know how earlier we were talking about how people who didn't have much money back in back in the day would kind of experiment with new ways of creating music, and obviously I was uh, talking to Lev previously about people who are struggling to access DJing and music production. Mm-hmm. Do you think perhaps we could see like new new genres or kind of like new I don't know, experimentations because people are trying, trying to find new ways of making music for less money. 100%. Yeah. One,
1: absolutely. 100%. Um, I, I really definitely completely feel that, um, yeah, as, I mean, as we we've discussed pretty much all genres have come out of that, you know, by right? all kind of dance genres and, you know, genres like hip hop and stuff have all come out of those limitations. So Yeah massively I mean technology is different now like obviously back in the day it was kind of like it was more equipment it was more kind of physical whereas like nowadays it's more yeah it's on like computers and laptops and things so I guess the limitations are different but the limitations are obviously still very much there um but yeah there are some really great like um like Creative Youth Network, for example, they run a few places in Bristol, and they have uh, like DJing equipment there, music production equipment, and it's free for young people to go to. You know, especially young people who are sort of struggling and coming from uh, difficult backgrounds and low income backgrounds, um, can can uh, access the equipment there. So there's some, there are definitely some um, some great projects that are happening, um, and I think. Yeah, I hope that um some, some more projects can start really. I feel like that's maybe one of the benefits of the pandemic. I feel like there's been more there's been more funding for the arts because the arts has obviously been hit so badly. So it would be really nice to see some more projects which uh, do give access to people who don't yeah, who don't have the access to music and don't have the access to to be creative. Because I think it's I think it's so important for people to be able to do that and especially if that's, if they are a creative person and they really feel like they need to express themselves and do that. I really, I really, really feel that they should. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think it'll be really, really interesting to kind of see. And I think as well, like this last year, you know, it's been a very challenging year for like everybody, obviously like, and, um, especially mentally, you know, it's been very, very difficult for people's mental health. So, um, I think, Uh, music and creativity has been a really good outlet for a lot of people like um, I think uh, like the sort of sit down events I've been playing at the last few weeks I'm just hearing like the most amazing music and like radio shows I'm listening to and like every because people have just I think for a lot of musicians a lot of creatives it's been a lifeline for them to be able to create so I think it's going to be really interesting to Uh, here and see what we continue to I don't know create through through this like challenging mentally challenging time
0: and now for some brand new music and speaking of new music what have you been listening to recently
1: um what have I been listening to oh if I'm honest with you I listen to like old music all the time, to be fair, really. But um, there's a few, no, uh, there's a few new labels which I've been really enjoying and artists as well. Um, I'm really enjoying everything that's on like Dr. Banana. That's a really great garage label. Um, Time Is Now, that's another one. And uh, people like Soul Mash Transit System, Introspect, um, High Rise, these are all artists in the kind of garage scene um Coco Bryce, he's a really great jungle producer. Um, so, yeah, I'd say that's like a few picks that I'm kind of really feeling at the moment. Like their work is just like consistently really, really great.
0: Amazing. And when can we catch you on Swoo, a fan? When am I next on Swoo?
1: I'm on, well, I'm on Swoo like every other Friday. So, I don't know when this podcast is going out, but my next show is going to be on the 28th of May and um yeah i've got like quite a cool sort of jungle hardcore guest on there as well actually
0: nice yeah cool thank you very much for coming on the podcast and we'll make sure to listen out for your show disrupt the brand new podcast from your host dawn Limbu. subscribe now to join the conversation